the Open Esther's podcast. How will you write Act 3 of your life? Will you be open? Will you welcome the possibilities? Are you going toward your most vibrant, authentic stage of life? Are you curious to discover what's ahead? Are you in a fork in the road and wondering which path to follow? Would you like to hear from others who are already writing Act 3? Hey everyone, I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Why be an empty nester when you can be an open nester, living on the edge of your curiosity, on the fringe of your imagination, reinvention, and sexuality? Together, we'll take a journey and explore how rich this stage of life can be when we approach it with an open mind and an open heart. So today we're going to meet Thea and Kurt, who I spoke with. I know I've told right. you a little bit You've about. about them. And it's a couple in Act Three after their long-term marriage dissolved. And I know that mm-hmm. that our listeners are. Yeah, our listeners are. Variety. You know, some of them are dissolving their marriages. Either their kids are just left to the nest, or they about to, and they are either divorced or they dissolving the marriage. And here are two souls that found each other. In the midst of COVID, and that's what I think is yeah. the most interesting is that they they just met right before COVID, and and during this time, I think people are discovering new either new ways to communicate better right. or figuring out how they may dissolve. I mean, that's really the truth about how that that intensity can can really magnify things. Right. But I think they've developed this beautiful intimacy through so much sharing, and even though and having that spark of something new was interesting, and they. Um, and they do things with brutal honesty is what they talked about a lot. And we'll be hearing a lot more about that because they have a very alternative lifestyle. Hello, Thea and Kurt. How are you doing tonight? Welcome to the Open Nesters. Yes. Thank you. Hi. Doing well. So we're so happy to have you here on our podcast because I met Thea through our, a journey dance friend. And I know that, that Thea is very active in all kinds of embodiment things and learning about that in her life. And I am just meeting Kurt tonight, and we are excited to hear a little bit about your story. If you want to just start with kind of where you are, I mean, tell us a little bit about, you don't have to even go into the details because you are using your your pseudonyms today, as we do. And we understand that we're in a society that doesn't always understand how we can create a new becoming more, more authentic, becoming more loving, and becoming into ourselves as we are so and very importantly we want to make sure that we thank you for your time thank you for your openness to share with us and our audience uh this beautiful journey so go thank you really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you you want to start okay so i after decades um in uh in a relationship that produced two children um in which we we grew apart and i uh um uh sort of hemmed myself in in a, in a tighter and tighter circle to try to uh, um, respect the ways that my prior partner was withdrawing from the world. Eventually, we reached a point where we couldn't continue, and uh, that relationship ended, and I got into a new place in life where I, I had felt starved for love, and I had felt starved for sex. I had felt starved for um, a full life outside the family. So I just said, I got into a place of a headspace where I was saying yes to everything. And I, uh, I started exploring the world. I started uh, exploring abandoned buildings, urbex, 
um, and uh, and I started <laughs> quite, dating. Quite, the, quite the guitar. <laughs> wow, beautiful. I started dating for the first time, you know, since college, and uh, and it was very exciting. And, how long? Uh, how long you been married? Uh, since '98, and then things broke up in 2013. So, um, you know, 15 years, 15, 15 years. 16 years. Um, so then, in the in the in the past seven years, I've been I've been dating, and uh, I met someone. I met someone really special. I'll call her B, um, and uh, we were very compatible in many ways. But she was polyamorous, which is something that I had had a little bit of experience with, but I had never. Um, I had never engaged in a really active, open relationship, and I made various attempts, but I never, um, I never made a lasting, additional connection until uh, I met Theo. Right. I mean, that's uh, polyamorous. So sounds like almost like a, a disease that one have. You know. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> right. are, are you polyamorous? Yeah. No. But it's, it's, it's not. In, you know, it's not contagious. <laughs> <laughs> and and now of course I love the word because I love the amor part of it so, and it just yeah. people that our listeners for example may not know what polyamory is and it mm -hmm. is loving more than one person and when you go toward that you all of a sudden realize how your love can expand and certainly we've experienced it as well so sure. we're happy to share this journey with you and Thea you were going to tell us how you came to this point too um, I was in a 26 year marriage and um, we separated in 2014 we had four kids, my three three older kids, and there was like a 10 year gap. And then my, my son, he was my 40th birthday surprise. <laughs> so, um, but, um, so I, I was sort of in a similar place as Kurt that I was like, you know, coming out of a relationship that had been declining for a while. I was very much, you know, um, you know, wanting to meet people. I didn't want to get into a serious relationship, but I was exploring myself, you know, sexually. Uh, relationally but I also just sort of was uh and also in that place of just saying yes to everything like I'm not going to say I don't want to do x y or z until I've actually tried you know you know um so that was a good place to be and obviously I couldn't have done that if my youngest son hadn't been living with his dad and had a lot more freedom that way because I moved, I was the one who moved out um a little bit unusual <laughs> in our culture that the mom is, and my two, two of my older ones were still at home at that point. Um, so, uh, yeah. And so you did I, that because you just needed the space to grow and I needed been space. mothering all I those needed, years and all, yeah. I did. And, and I, and I also felt like, you know, I was the one who was asking for the separation and it just felt kind of mean to say, and you need to leave the house. You know, I, I just, I, I wasn't ready. And plus, and then I was the one who needed the space. You know, I was the one who needed right. to be on my own. Um, so it was both of those things. And that's very yeah. brave. I'm so glad for you to share this because these are things that people need to hear, how we authentically go toward. And then how's your relationship with your ex now? I mean, and, and your kids and- We have just... a really good co-parenting relationship. Our relationship is is much better now that we're not trying to be married. I mean, technically we are still legally married but um but not that we're not trying to be a romantic couple i i love him like a brother i've been you know he's been in my life for so long we um you know i'm over there almost every day i live very close by so i can be with my son nice there there um so it's um it's a lot it's a lot better i feel like our relationship has been a better and that's released you to be where whatever you want to be 
really exactly yeah yeah within constraints i still need to stay within a certain mile radius you know so i can be involved in my right. in my youngest son's life um which is uh just a side note we can pursue this later but but there's yet another adventure on the horizon we're actually moving to south carolina because my co-parent um he got a really super good job offer down there and um, he asked me about it and if I was willing and it's uh, because it's closer to my family, closer to my family and closer to my sister, my parents and my sister, I was like, sure, see what happens. And so it looks like that's actually happening. So that's another thing on my horizon that's just kind of blowing my mind right now. But I'm like, right. um, yeah. And Kurt, you didn't mention the kids. How's your how's that relationship with your children at this point? Right. <clears throat> so uh, I have um, two children. I have a, a son who's twenty uh, and a daughter who's seventeen, and uh, they live with their mother. Um, and um, it's been challenging, particularly since COVID. Um, they are uh, locked down and trying to protect their grandmother. So they're uh, uh, when I see them, I have to be masked and distanced. Um, but um, I mean, that's the challenge is trying to, you of know, course. maintain contact and still be there without being as physically there. Um, I've been very aware of that. Well, I think a lot of open nesters are dealing with this. People that are actually with their kids are either any place with COVID right now in particular, figuring out and negotiating boundaries. Somebody said to me, actually, my, our, our daughter-in-law said, it's almost like being polyamorous. You have to figure out the boundaries and be very clear about where you've been right. and what you want, how you're going to behave. It's and true. and it creates, it has to, it has to up our communication and up our game. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's part of this, of this journey. Right. Yes. It's, it's a strange time of, uh, in, in everybody's life and it's a life altering uh, virus, so to speak. But regardless of that, you were able to meet in the last, uh, was it pre-COVID or after COVID? Just barely before we we met early in march we met online we had one actual meeting in person where but it was still close enough it was like march 13th where we like elbow bumped you know to right. say hello yeah. you we know didn't touch, and we, we didn't took a walk kiss. outside yeah. together um but then after that it was the 21st my job shut down i was home he you know he was home like and then you know we were sequestered for for months, yeah. right? And and, right. and what kind of a relationship did you have at that time? I mean, now you're both isolated. You were both in quarantine. I mean, a lot of phone calls, a lot of video chats. Well, how does that go? Uh, yeah. Yes. All of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it was challenging because I didn't know if we would have physical chemistry. Mercifully, we had met once, mm -hmm. so I knew that there was chance. Yeah. Um, but um, I I knew that uh, I knew that I wanted. Um, Thea, but I was insecure because I am uh, I'm of a rounder shape, um, and uh, then Thea or most of her previous, um, but not all, most of, but most of her previous boyfriends, and I didn't know whether um, it was going to work out, and yet I felt this draw, this connection, um, this thing that we started to deal from the very first text, where we um, agreed we were going to talk about our feelings and we were going to be right. open about things and we were going to try to really um, build intimacy by sharing. And it worked. Um, and uh, things grew closer and closer, but but we had never kissed and we had never touched skin um, for months. Um, not until the summer. Of, kind of frustrating, actually. Yeah. I and, mean, and, she, and she was your first uh, date after you got all divorced or she was not? 
no, no, no. He has I a partner. Oh, you have another partner. Yes. Okay, got it. Right. It's the first time I, I made the decision to try to um, pursue uh, an Multiple. additional, yeah. an additional lover in right because because um, my my primary partner, who I, I'll call B, um, she she said you're very important to me, and I will be monogamous with you if you want that. And I said uh, no. I, uh, I'll try to join you outside of the box rather than put you in it. But, um, and it, it sounded fun, but I didn't know whether I'd be able to do it. And this is really the first time in, in my life that I've been able to actually have a real additional relationship where everybody, where both, um, of my partners know about each other and, uh, they know each other and we've met. It's honest yeah. and it's ethical, ethical. non-monogamous. Exactly. Yeah. So how does that feel? How does that enhance each of these relationships that you're in, in your lives now compared to what your lives were before? How does, it, how does that change? It's, it's been, it's been um, not without complications, but I've found it to be exhilarating and wonderful. Um, the first thing is just there's been more love and there's also been more sexual excitement. Um, and uh, there's been more heat and flash and fire. In both of Exactly. Um, but you know, there's negotiations and there has to be brutal honesty and, and, uh, there's been, you know, questions about time and, um, scheduling. And then then the whole extra, you know, COVID thing on top of it. And then then allowing our insecurities to come up when we do feel any jealousy or a sense of that time being taken away. So how, how have you, had you have any stories around, how you figure things out now? I mean, I'd love to hear how you guys are figuring things out. We, we have two very different stories about jealousy. <laughs> I'll let you go because I took the last one. Except I'm not remembering which okay. one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, remind me which one. Um, well, I'm not going to answer for you, but yeah. um, but for me, I, I, I found, so in, in my first, uh, so in my relationship with B, I said, okay, you go be polyamorous and I will try too. And she has pre-existing lovers, uh, quite a few she's of them. She's been polyamorous for like most her, of her adult life. So exactly. She's, she's way more pro than so either of us. My first experiences of polyamory were sitting with my jealousy while she went and had other experiences. And I had license, but I didn't know how to do it. Um, but but what I found was that if I if I if I took that jealousy and I found the eroticism in it, if I visualized the sexual heat my lover was feeling for another and somehow beautiful made it my own eroticism i would become excited and i i call it eroticization of jealousy so i want to know like when my lover is with another lover i want to know and then when I, when that's happening i feel excited and um and i want every detail um right and I mean, then and how did you, something how did you, else happen your partner well, okay okay Something else happened, which was that um, um, in the course of my relationship with Thea, um, she rekindled with an old lover of hers who um, she had had some um, um, issues to work around, and I helped her. And then I found that in helping her, just in, in, in trying to emotionally support her in pursuit of this other relationship, that I became a little emotionally invested in the success of her other relationship. <laughs> <Beautiful. laughs> Great. It was, it was awesome. that, True compersion, beyond compersion, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you, you know, I, I am, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm very happy that you mentioned how you can uh, turn um, the jealousy into, uh, I guess, a motivating, motivating factor. I mean, sometimes uh, 
I see uh, Tessa getting dressed and getting ready to go on a date, and I'm just sitting there and watching her and getting aroused just yes. by the fact that she is uh, getting ready and she's getting pretty and she's putting the makeup on. And she's asking me, shall I put this shoes on or this shoes on? What do you think about <laughs> this dress? So, yes, uh, you know, if you can turn it, the jealousy into that productive type of a feeling, that is a very, very, uh, He's I guess, eroticizing mature. jealousy. Is How eroticizing. mature is this? I love this word. <laughs> exactly. I'm loving it. Yeah. Eroticism. We like, like this term. I, I, I'm glad. I hope that when it goes on the podcast, it's like it'll become a thing, right? We started a thing. Right. <laughs> eroticized jealousy. Hashtag eroticized jealousy. Thank you for that story. So, Thea, what about you? And actually, wait a second. Kurt, you had mentioned, and I wanted to see how your partner B was about you're eroticizing that because that's interesting if it started there how did how did she accept that and how do you like that Thea? so both like how do you she's she's very private and she doesn't want to give me all the detail that i want mm -hmm. um so that's a little bit of a friction point for us but uh the fact is it, it does make it work um COVID has really locked things down from her perspective she's only had uh, a handful of uh, of um, interactions since it began and so um, in many ways, that's become less of a functional factor, but it's, it's still out there. It's something that we have to negotiate uh, and work with. Mm. And how about you, Thea? That, that, ha that particular dynamic happens to work pretty well for me. And, and, and Kurt is the first person I've been with who, um, I can say that, not the first person who's had, who's sort of eroticized jealousy, but it's definitely the most emotionally tied in relationship where we talk all the time, where, you know, and, and there's been two times. I mean, there was the one he mentioned, which is the more recent one. That's my other partner, someone reconnected with that I had been with in the past. Right. Um, but then, right, you know, as things were, you know, spinning out of, <laughs> coming out of the pandemic, but he had a lot more restrictions on him because of his kid situation and their, um, you know, as far as when he could finally, you know, open the bubble, you know, and, and I was climbing. Right. Wall. You know, I was like, I, I didn't mention this before. I had broken off of like a two and a half year relationship in February, right before this all happened. So I was, you know, in the beginning of our relationship, I was grieving, which was so wonderful. He really made space for me to do that. Like I could do that with him. I could talk about my other partner. I could talk about the grief I was experiencing. And it was wonderful. You know? it, was comforting. Uh, it was comforting. It was a great support. And, um, but, um, so anyway, I, but again, you know, I was sort of like shut down, skin starved, you know, for like however many months. And then it, it worked out that I was able to, to come together with somebody else first before him. And it wasn't, that was not my preference, but that's what I needed. And so, you know, he sent through that too. Like that was, that was more just a, a sexual and, thing, not a relationship thing, but. That was um, hot too. That was hot, you know, <laughs> but completely loved it, you know, and I, I loved being able to share that with him and the fact that he that he enjoyed it and there was in it you know it just gives you that extra layer of knowing you have the freedom to share about your whole life when when the person the other person doesn't only accept it they actually enjoy it you know that's a whole nother right. level of uh, a whole nother level of you you were able to win a friend and a lover at the same time yeah exactly that's that's how how, how wonderful and you don't yeah. have any you don't have any story about jealousy or did you yeah, I wasn't sure um, what you wanted to talk about. Not, I'm not, not right now. Right off the bat, I, I um, am I forgetting something? Well, there was, uh, I had another um, that didn't oh, really right, go anywhere right, right, the first right. go around, but it uh, 
it looked like it was promising. And yeah. uh, um, so there was there was a, an opportunity for her to feel some jealousy, yeah. for Thea to feel jealousy. Yeah, right. But it wasn't, she didn't really feel it as well. I'm not going to speak to you. Not, so. not quite as much. I, I didn't, um, I, that's an interesting thing. Even though I've been practicing polyamory much longer than Kurt has been, he's, he's experienced part of it that I haven't. He's experienced the part of being emotionally attached to someone and then watching them go to somebody else. And I just haven't had that in. You know, I've I usually see. been the one in my other relationships. I've been the one to go out and, and have a new relationship. So I just haven't experienced, I don't know how I'm going to you know, react to that because I haven't had that part of it yet. Right. And it's interesting to watch the two of you with your, and I'm, I'm not sure if you have a different erotic themes and we don't have to get into that right now. Um, and maybe add another episode, you'll want to, but we're interested in the, in this, in this, um, how you deal with that with your kids and how you communicate those, that and those boundaries and how you, right. how you navigate that. Your kids obviously know that you're dating but do they know yeah. that you're multiple dating my old my older kids i have a i have a 28 year old and he's he's out of the house like in texas you know he's he was actually out of the house when we separated he was already had already moved out um, my and then i have a 25 year old and a 22 year old and so all of my older kids know about the consensual non-monogamy they have varying degrees of uh, pegs to hang that on, and 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 they're all accepting. You know, my oldest is the more is the most um, conservative, and so he's, um, you know, he he doesn't agree with me, but he is very accepting. Like we still like it, he doesn't he hasn't made it a line in the sand, you know. Um, but um, but then my other two, my two middle, uh, my son and my daughter, I. Um, it's kind of a cool story with them is that when I started dating was when they were starting to date. And it was a really? such a wonderful entree into being able to talk about their relationships and stuff because I could start it out with just sharing what I was learning. And it was so much easier to bridge that gap. It's not just me asking you and sounding nosy. It's me like sharing what I'm going through and what I'm learning. And then they were able to open up and, and talk about what they were learning and their relationships. And it was so much easier. And you know, that was just dumb luck, you know, but it was like, it was a wonderful, no, but, but it's makes your relationship with the thing. kids so much richer. Yeah, it is. And so we have this much more open, um, really. So they know, and they've met, um, you know, all of them met my, the, the person I was talking about that I had been with for like two and a half years, he was had been the person who had been most involved in my family. My, my you know, ex had met him. My, my youngest son had spent time with him. It was, you know, I, he was the person who had become the most involved in my family. Um, so they all, you know, they all knew, but they hadn't had to really meet face to face. Like they hadn't met any of the other people that I dated. Or right. It's, it's still, still theoretical for them. It's still kind of theoretical, but we do talk about it. You know, with my I people. love so when you talk about it. I love. I would love, like, uh, if you can even bring up what because those conversations. I think when we ourselves are learning about ourselves through love, and then we can communicate that with our kids, it, it, it isn't an easy thing, and it's not a common thing. Right. So, mm -hmm. if you had any any story that there was a moment you can recall that, if not, we can move to another question. I'm trying to, I'm, one of the bad things about me in an interview is that I'm really bad at pulling up specific examples when somebody asks me. I'll remember like an hour from <laughs> yeah. now. But I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm the I'm same fine. way. 
so maybe good. So maybe when he's talking, I'll remember. You know, I just I do remember having this conversation with my son. He had just have broken up. This is my second. Um, he had just broken up, and he was trying to negotiate. Sort of, he was really thinking through it. He was kind of deconstructing in my monogamy script, like I had done, and um, and it was just you know he was trying to. You know, he's like, we don't really have words for like, we have these sort of categories of like a friend, which means like no sex, and then you have this. And like he says, like, to me, it seems more like a continuum. And I was like, it was wonderful. We were reading, we went out for both of our birthdays, we're in Chinese, you know, and we're having this conversation. It was so wonderful. I couldn't imagine doing that, you know, seven years ago or something like that. I'd be having this conversation with my son. It was wonderful. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It's really inspiring, and I really appreciate it. And Kurt, you, have you come out to your children? Do they know what's going on? Or well, <clears> well, I mean, I've I've been um, my kids. Both my kids know I've been dating, um, and they've met um, um, several of my relationships. And and um, but um, they've gotten close with B, my primary, and um, and I haven't. I've chosen not to tell them. Um, about Thea, although they've met Thea as a friend. Um, and the reason I haven't told them is because I'm still engaged in a legal dissolution of assets uh, issue with, with their mother. And I don't want to put them in a situation where I ask them not to tell, but I'm afraid that it might be Makes used sense. against me in court, possibly. I mean, right. maybe I'm being paranoid, but I'm being careful. No, no, that makes sense. So um, Thea is just, you know, dad's friend. Right. Right. So. Um, yeah, so my um, I came out to my kids uh, as polyamorous in theory um, because I, I let them know that B is polyamorous and that and that I had agreed to that lifestyle, um, but I'd never given them any examples of my activity, and they haven't asked. And uh, even though my kids are 17 and 20, neither of them seem particularly active, um, especially not this last year with COVID. Um, They've been locked down at home, and so all that that whole aspect seems like it's been somewhat frozen as a conversation topic. And I would like to move beyond that. Um, I, I I want my kids to be happy, and I want them to be romantically active. But on the other hand, I don't want to push them in that regard. And neither one of them seemed particularly interested. Right. So, but uh, were they judging you for it? I mean, were they looking at no, you? No, I, I didn't. Well. I got a little bit of discomfort from yeah. both of them on the topic. Um, it seemed a little outre to both of them that, uh, um, and that may be also part that of you my that you date in general or you date multiple people. No, no, no. They're fine with me dating, and actually, their mother doesn't. And it was important to me to model to them that that love is worth pursuing in life. Um, and I wanted them to know that I was dating, and I've introduced them. Um, to all of the partners I've had since um, the, the marriage broke up, except for the very first one. Um, and uh, it's really just that they, they got close um, with B, and I didn't want to, um, um, I didn't want to put them in a situation of either feeling bad for her or having to keep it a secret from their mother. I mean, that's really what it was about for me. But they understand that she's polyamorous, and they've heard this term, and that's where it's yeah. a little different than some families that maybe don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Indeed, and there's been very few questions about it, surprisingly to me. Well, they can That's find all those leaders. answers that they sure. want to when they're ready to, and they, mm -hmm. I think that we need to trust the, the kids to know, especially as they're going towards the stage of being adults, 
to be able to look into what they need to and ask the questions that they want and then be ready for those answers when they want them. So when we're clear about asking, yes. is this what you want to hear? Mm -hmm. uh, that's an interesting, you know, di just dimension of our relationships. And so you guys don't have as many typical of the, you know, open nester feelings just because it wasn't as dramatic since each of you went through different stages of the breakup and then coming together. But what do you see um, as um, for your future? Like, what do you see going forward for yourselves? It looks it sounds like Thea is going to move to South Carolina. And without the attachment point, like, how do you see families living? How do you see your family? What would be your hope and dream for yourselves going forward? What's the mm. next step? That's a, that's a loaded question. That's a loaded question. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna back go back a little bit before the whole South Carolina thing came up because we've actually had this conversation several times about um, you know the the ways in which you know our our relationship grew in such a constricted place in the beginning, right? And so it it has these interesting places where it's so deep, you know, uh, but it. We talk about it. It was like a bonsai tree, you know. It's like a little bonsai tree. It's in this dish, you know, and and it can have all these interesting shapes. But it, it is the thing. It is because of the because of constraints that it, it 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 moved in, you know, and that it wouldn't necessarily work, you know. It it's again just kind of getting off that escalator. I don't know. Familiar with that book, the relationship escalator. You know, right. I'm using that metaphor, but um, just how um, you know. That if, if it's really good now, then if we would be together all the time and we live together, it would be great. Well, no, not necessarily. I'm not sure we could actually live together. Really right. don't know that we could. I think he and B are much better, much more compatible as like actually nesting partners than, than he and I are. But we get to have this thing and it doesn't matter because we don't live together. Right yeah, now. And and you don't have to. Right. And right. so it's, that's the, that's the amazing thing to me about how it can move forward and, and you can if you can construct relationships and you can let them be what they are. They don't have to be something else or bigger or smaller or anything right. else. They can just be and take the space they do. So um, right. we're very confident that I mean this move to South Carolina is, is kind of a new thing and it's kind of blowing my mind. Um, but it, it's exciting, but it's also heart wrenching. And but I see us as staying connected because we started out. And continue to evolve. Yes, and and we'll just see where it goes. But I mean, like this kind of communication we have, and this kind of sharing, we're we're both kind of anthropologists at heart. We like to take this relationship thing and look at it and say, why does it do this? And how you know why is this working this way? And da da da. <laughs> you know, we do this thing, and like I have so few people I do that. I want he's the only person I do that with. I mean, I, I have a super great relationship with my twin sister, but she's not poly. We get to do this thing. We get to talk about this thing. We get to be involved in each other's. Right. I'm not gonna give that up. Like I don't have. I never got that anywhere else. You know. I'm like I'm. Like, um, so. Hallelujah. That's the different relationship styles, and I I just yeah. Connect. yeah, absolutely. We struggled with that term secondary. It sounds yeah. pejorative. It sounds yeah. like it means lesser, but right. but but the unexpected thing for us was that it enabled this greater thing. We don't have to worry about the groceries or the laundry or the fact that I'm messy and she's clean. Um, we don't worry about it because we have this special time, this limited time, limited by COVID, limited by our other relationships, um, limited by our other life commitments, and it's precious. And somehow, that yeah, that limitation has given us additional freedom because 
We don't have to make it work as a life thing. We're not hamstrung by the requirements. So right. we're free to do something else. And so it's like a, a, a blind person who becomes masterful at something else, you know, at the right. other senses. Um, because we've taken life commitment off the table in the beginning, we, we have all of this beautiful um, freedom to be extra intimate without the consequences that are normally contingent on that kind of intimacy. Yeah, you, you're moving the relationship in, in the direction of just spending time with each other. You don't have to start moving it toward moving with each other, uh, you know, yeah, like right. looking for an apartment together or start yeah, sharing right. the bill or having a joint checking account. Those, right. All of that stuff is you, you, you shelf that and you focus on each other when you are with each other. Yeah. And that's and really so, of course, so when the whole prospect of moving like really far away came up, it wasn't as as devastating. I mean, I'm gonna miss if I am gonna miss it. I am, you know, but uh, but uh, but, but, um, <laughs> but still, it, it's like it's not like the connection has been broken. No. No, yeah. and I, you could feel it between you, and it's really a, a joy to, 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 to witness. Right. So uh, any other advice or questions, well, anything you want to share that you feel like you would like to convey um, in, in, in your you know, lives? I mean, as there, there are many people in your situation where they're divorced, uh, whether they are about to be divorced or they've been divorced for um, a year or two or, be, or, or longer, and now they are exploring other, you know, partners, and people in your situation, what would you tell them? What would you advise them to do? I mean, what, what, what is the best thing, takeaway that you can advise somebody in your position? I, wow, I would just say um, open your mind to what can be. Um, you know, look look at the the scripts that are in there. I'm sounding very postmodern here, but still. Uh, look at the scripts that are in our society and where they come from and, and think about them. And it's fine if you want to stay with that script, but that's the thing about societal scripts is that we, we just, un we don't question them. They're just in the operating system until we finally, until we hit a wall where they don't work. So I guess that would be my thing is that if something's not working, look out, look outside. It, it might not be you that's not working. It might be the script that's not working. What a beautiful way to put it. And, and any 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 resources that you would that you that you would call on? Well, I'm a, I'm a huge. Whenever I go into a new phase of anything, I read like a maniac. That's my modus operandi. So um, I started out. I think my first venture into this something I read when I was first separating was Esther Perel's um, Mating in Captivity, mm -hmm. and that was very insightful to me about just the difference about what what emotional intimacy and eroticism need, and those are different things, and that made so much sense to me. Um, but, and she kind of goes around the edges about the possibilities of polyamory, but it's not a book about polyamory. Um, I started listening to, um, when I first started dating, I was listening to um, Dan Savage, the Savage Webcast. Mm -hmm. And um, that was great for me just because it was like a crash course and in like the last 20 years that I had been aware of, you know, like 30 years <laughs> or whatever. Um, and, um, but he talks, obviously, there's a lot of that that comes up on that show, too. But I also read um, Sex at Dawn. Sex at Dawn. Sex at Ryan, Dawn. Ryan and Beta. One of my um, favorites, yeah. Yeah, that was the huge thing for me. That was like the whole deconstruction process. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this makes so much sense to me. Um, I did read uh, 
uh, I read The Ethical Slut. I read um, the guy who wrote more than two, but the one he wrote about Johnson. No, no. that one. But there was this another one. Um, That's okay. We can mention it later. So yeah. we wanted to come back. Yeah, to I read. Two. I read a, yeah, what, is, what would you? I, I would say, um, be fearless. Uh, it's it's be fearless in fearless. in your choice of, of of entertainments in your life, but also be fearless in your relationships. Um, it you have deeper intimacy if you share yourself openly and um, remove boundaries and um, and take a chance. Open your heart. And, and let love in because uh, it's powerful wow. and it makes you brave. That is very inspiring. That is very inspiring. Yeah, thank yeah. you I have to so, say, so it's much. Been, this has been the biggest um, creative edge. I mean, I am, I am, I, I do art. I don't know if I'm saying I'm an artist. I'm not a professional artist, but I do art. But I really, this last few years, this, this has been my creative edge. This has been my work relationship and, and it's true the fearlessness you know I, I wouldn't have even gone back to this previous relationship I had which was which was rocky in some of its points you know but it it was a it was that kind of fearlessness I want to there's a draw here why is it there I want to figure it out I want to know you know if I can do it differently this time right I, that, um, and you can try it with multiple people and you're challenging your creative spirit, almost like your rebirth. Like, what, And I do feel like sexual energy is a rebirth. So it comes from that chakra that makes us feel more alive and creative and birthing a new process of who we can be. So mm -hmm. maybe at some other point we will have you guys back on about uh, on when we have someone, an expert on, on, on the erotic themes or something like that, <laughs> if you want to. Well, so uh, it's been so, so It's wonderful. been inspiring, to say the least. And we really want to thank you again for your time and sharing and opening your heart with us, uh, you know, it's something that's not easy to speak about. And I know that you're still in love in other relationship and you have other things pending. And we really appreciate the honesty uh, and, and the, you know, the straightforwardness that, uh, of, of your whole demeanor and conversation here. So we want to thank you for that. And uh, stay tuned. We will, uh, you'll, you'll hear yourself on the podcast pretty soon. Wish you well and hope to, to meet you in person someday. I would love that. Yes, yeah. I love that. I, um, and thank you all. I'm, I'm so glad you're doing this. And it's so it's a privilege to be a part of it. It's been, you know, a forum we haven't had to talk about. You know, I'm so glad it gives, gives a wider audience to people being exposed to what things could look like. Yes. Wonderful. What's possible in Act What's 3? Possible? Okay. Be well. So we'll see you soon. Have a good evening. Ciao. Thank, okay. you. thank you. Wow. That was truly an eye-opener, don't you think, Tessa? Absolutely. So, so confirming to, to the beliefs and, and what, we're, what we're hoping that people can come open to with the mm -hmm. newest act three of life. And I, I love that Thea had this expression about being anthropologists of the heart that was so resonant for me because I studied anthropology and cultures and, and love the, the way that we, that we view them without having to be attached to them. And she shows us how we don't have to keep a certain way of programming ourselves, that it's not required. And it, it, it helps us to open our lives up to this next stage in a whole nother way to letting time be precious right now. And I love that. And how about eroticized jealousy, taking the jealousy, which is considered by most a negative, and turning it into a positive, arousing type of an act. 
Absolutely. Well, jealousy in general, we'll be discussing a lot of. We we know that we're going to be touching on a whole episode about it. And some people have a lot harder time with it, as we know from our attachment experts about security. And it's okay to know that it's an emotion that is doesn't have to be negative or positive. It's what we do with it. And so he just showed us a whole new view of that. And Kurt uh, really gave you a good tip for those of our audience that are in the same situation as Thea and Kurt. Kurt says, be fearless. Be fearless in your life. Be fearless in your relationship. And he's right. The more you open, the deeper the connection that you can have. And fear is just also, it's one of the emotions that I love facing and looking at in the face and saying, even when I have fear, I want to, I want to expand my life. So it's getting through that. And I hope we can, that, that was inspiring to hear. So take a chance, open up your heart, as Kurt says, and let the love flow. We welcome your comments on this podcast or any of our podcasts, as well as suggestions for upcoming podcasts that you'd like to hear or hear more of any of our topics that you can find in our categories on our website. If you'll visit www.theopennesters.com, that's two ends in the middle, and you can also visit our private Facebook page either through there or go to The Open Nesters on Facebook and ask to join our group because we're going to have some lively discussions in a private setting where you can ask all of your questions. And we look so forward to having you with us next time. I'm Tessa. And I'm Amir. Till next time, stay well, and we'll see you soon on the next episode.